0: Hello, and welcome to another MLEX podcast. I'm Leah Nyland, MLEX's chief global antitrust correspondent. Last week, the U.S. said it would delay new requirements put in place by the Obama administration aimed at slowing inversion deals. These are where U.S. companies move their headquarters overseas to take advantage of lower tax rates in places like Ireland, Bermuda, and Canada. The most famous of these inversions involved U.S. drug maker Pfizer, which proposed acquiring Ireland's Allergan for $160 billion. That merger would have allowed Pfizer to save an estimated $1 billion annually on its tax bill by moving its headquarters to Ireland. That deal was eventually scrapped last year, in large part because of opposition from the Obama administration. The IRS delay on the inversion rule comes as Congress is gearing up to tackle tax reform when it comes back in September. Here to walk us through it all is Brett Ferguson, MLEX's senior tax reporter in D.C. Hi, Brett. Hi, Leah. So first, Brett, can you tell us what were the inversion rules proposed by the Obama administration?
1: Well, let me start by saying these rules are just a complex beast of a package that, that the Obama administration put together. And it's it's worth saying that there's nothing simple when it comes to international taxation and that's reflected when you read through these rules. I just sat through a a 90-minute webinar the other day all about these rules and their effect on on M&A deals, and they barely scratched the surface on what, what these rules do and how people are supposed to react. So in a nutshell, what this process was, it started in 2014, with the Obama administration kind of starting to look at ways that they could rein in corporate inversions. And there were a number of deals like the Pfizer one that you've mentioned too, that uh, had received a lot of press attention and, and a lot of attention even at the household level, people who weren't normally thinking about these things uh, for inversions to, to work their way into uh, a household conversation is unusual. So what, they eventually did after a couple of rules that kind of nibbled around the edges was go for you know go for for the bank here and and uh, roll out what they call the section 385 rules and those rules were really intended to set out a new framework for when irs would reclassify debt that had been taken on by a company and make it into equity The difference would be that the debt is tax-deductible in the U.S. Tax code equity distributions wouldn't be. And then it would also create these strict documentation requirements for every transaction between related parties, and that would also help classify between debt and equity. So the significance for the companies is these deals could become much more expensive if you cannot write off the, the debt that has been transferred. Um, through some kind of related party transaction or deals between subsidiaries. And what Treasury was aiming to do was say, look, the practice of buying a U.S. company and loading it up with debt from loans from a foreign parent to a U.S. firm, it's not in our best interest. So we'd like to to make sure that we can stop that. The downside that they learned after almost 30,000 comment letters that they received on these was that these are... are really complicated deals. It's a complicated business structure that that people are engaged in and it wound up sweeping in a lot of people that they didn't think they would hit, including banks, which, you know, they, they regularly pool cash between their subsidiaries and they're not engaged in any sort of inversion activity, but they would be affected by these rules. Manufacturers complained, uh, pharmaceutical companies complained, anybody with a big international presence was gonna see a lot of deals that weren't inversions that were also affected. And that was reflected in a lot of criticism from Congress and a huge uproar from the business community, but uh, the Obama administration pressed forward anyway.
0: So what did the IRS do last week?
1: So the latest on this is, we go back to April, President Trump had put out an executive order instructing all agencies across the government to look at their rules that they've put out and identify things that were overly complex or too burdensome for for, uh, the regulated community, or that they just felt that the uh, administration didn't have the authority to do. And IRS uh, came back and said, well, we have eight regulations that we think could fit under these categories, and one of them was the Section 385 rules, which surprised absolutely nobody because they were so controversial from the, the beginning, and, uh, and Republicans had made it very clear that they wanted to get rid of these rules as you know a, a first step. So at the moment, they have until uh, Treasury has until September eighteenth to decide what to do with the rules, and issue a report to the White House. And in the meantime, uh, because there has been a great deal of uncertainty now, these rules are they're, they're part of the law. There, there's no going back on it at the moment. So uh, for the time being, IRS has said we're going to suspend the documentation requirements for them for one year. So that gives companies a little added time to figure out what they need to do, if they need to do anything, create processes for how they're going to document these transactions, and give a little extra breathing room while Treasury is sorting out how to proceed.
0: So, are the inversion rules expected to be withdrawn or just modified?
1: The consensus from the people that I'm talking to is that there is no appetite to try to modify these rules, at least not right now. That they're likely to just get withdrawn and and let Treasury move on. That these are so complicated that any effort to actually try to modify them into to something that's more palatable for people is going to be it's just a huge undertaking. So right now, the odds makers have it at withdrawn, and they're really uh, staking their hopes that Congress can do something with tax reform that'll make this less necessary.
0: So these issues are expected to be addressed as part of tax reform?
1: These issues are, are a maybe the key component uh, of tax reform because some of the, the more controversial things for lawmakers Are on tax rates on the individual side, and the the rich get uh, a tax break, but where the real meat comes in is on the corporate side of of the tax uh, code, and the challenge that they have on that end is whatever deal you put together, it's someone's going to have to pay, and and one industry is going to lose, another one's going to win, and once those fault lines start to appear. It's going to be a big challenge for lawmakers to combat them and find a way forward. As it is now, the president's looking for a 15% corporate tax rate, which would take it from 35%, uh, which is among the highest tax or statutory tax rates in the world, to among the lowest. The problem there is not many people think that you can get to a 15% tax rate. The House Republican plan had had been looking for a 20% tax rate, and that was largely based on their uh, plan to move ahead with a border-adjusted tax that would uh, essentially replace the corporate income tax with a 20% import tax. And that would fix a lot of these problems that corporations have Uh, and and a lot of the the competition issues that lead to inversion structures. But it was a a deeply unpopular idea, and so Republicans have scrapped the the border-adjusted tax idea, and it's just left a void at the moment. So they, they need to figure out how they're going to proceed with that and how they're going to wind up creating a tax system that takes away those incentives for companies to leave the U.S.,
0: so what's the latest on where tax reform stands in Congress?
1: There's currently a lot of uh, negotiations going on at the staff level so far. Um, Republicans are planning on a meeting at the Reagan Ranch in California later this month uh, to try to channel some of the, the spirit of the 86 tax reform package and, uh, and hope that good things will, will come out of that. Um, they're hoping that shortly after Labor Day that... They will have agreed on a, a general outline of what a tax, tax package needs to look like, and then they can come back and start doing uh, markups in the House Ways and Means Committee in September, and hopefully pass it by October, and uh, move it through the Senate by November. That is, by all accounts, a really aggressive timeline for tax reform. And it's especially uh, aggressive since nobody knows what the package could look like. So and until people start to see what it is and start to understand who it's going to impact, you're going to have some, uh, some concerns there about how they're going to structure it. And the other problem that you have uh, in Congress with tax reform is it's very similar to the health care debate in that once those fault lines appear and people start to see that their industries and their states are going to be negatively impacted by this, they're going to start to to question it. So can you get even uh, 50, 51 senators to agree to it under the preferred budget reconciliation process they want to use to make it a little easier? Or are you going to lose a couple of those votes? So the the difference between tax reform and health care reform is there's a little bit more uniformity in the Republican Party that this is something that that they really want to get done. There's Democrats who believe that this is something that's important, that they need to get done. And uh, the principles are a little easier to to get behind for everybody. It's just the the differences in the details. And we don't have any details yet. So it's, it's important to point out too that a timeline that gets a bill to the president by the end of the year—it's not just aggressive. It's—it's it's hard to imagine because it takes a very long time to negotiate the kind of details that they're looking at. The last tax reform package from '86 took two years to work through. So any notion they're going to get this done in a few months—you know—even—even even the most optimistic people aren't so sure that's going to happen.
0: Okay. Well, thanks for talking to us today, Brett. Yep, thank you. This has been another edition of the MLEX podcast with Brett Ferguson, senior tax reporter for MLEX in Washington, D.C. I'm Leah Nyland, MLEX's chief global antitrust correspondent. Thanks for listening. Until next time.